As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to Aboriginal elders emerging. Special announcement for Ron Idles and Charlie Bazina fans of Melbourne. You need to know that we're doing more live shows in October and those fellows are the stars. This time the shows are at the Yarraville Club 
and tickets are on sale now. The links are on our social media pages and on our website, australiantruecrimepodcast.com, or you can go straight to yarravilleclub.com and buy the tickets there right now. Yes, we are definitely coming to other cities very, very soon. Thank you to all of our new patrons, Jenny McCusker, Sharon Meyer, Julie Martin, Pauline Stephen, Lisa Marie Gibbs, Imka, Matt Lambert. Hello, Matt. I know we chatted on YouTube the other night. Good stuff. Me, Anth, Mel, Tara Kilty, Jessica Canty, Anne Bailey, Caro Berner, Chloe Williams, M Malone, Crystal Rose, Melissa Kaustley, Tanya Berg, Christy Kaster, and Kimberly Kanagish. That is such a cool name. Thank you so much for signing up. Charlie Bazina is the man of the moment this week, actually, because not only is he our guest on the main podcast, but our patrons can also expect an extra episode this week from Charlie, in which, among other things, he explains the sentence recently handed down to Boris Rostevsky. Boris pleaded guilty to the manslaughter of his wife Karen, eventually, and was then sentenced to a maximum of nine years in prison with a minimum of six which shocked a lot of us, but not Charlie. He'll explain how sentencing works in an exclusive extra episode for our patrons, which is out this weekend. You can become a patron and get your hands on some of those extra episodes by going to patreon.com forward slash Aust True Crime. That's A-U-S-T, Aust True Crime Pod. And for $5 American a month, you too will receive extra episodes and the keys to our hearts. Thank you so much to all of our supporters. Okay, on with the show. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. That apart from us supporting deceased families, we also support offenders' families. It's like coming to your home and saying, well, look, uh, Michelle, we've just locked up your son for a murder. Well, you're reeling back. Mm. And so we had those two. We're supporting the two sides until they tell us, well, no, we don't want you to take a flying hike. And we would then support them and say what, how the process is going to work from this point forward. So, How often, though, would you get families of offenders who would have the sort of reaction of, we've, be- we've been waiting for this, who would have sons or daughters who have been either dealing with mental yeah. illness or who've been off the rails yeah. and who would sort of collapse in that horrible feeling? Yeah, well, probably in my day there was a small percentage and I think it's probably increasing now because of the drug and ice and that type of thing. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, we're getting murders now on a daily basis. And uh, I just got a text on my phone walking here that there was a woman's body found in Parkville just uh, this morning. And, mm. uh, you know, the, 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 the frequency is, is, is alarming. And uh, it wasn't really in my day, but uh, I think now more so that a lot of parents and families uh, got the stories of having a, a member of the family on ice or they've fallen on very hard times. And uh, you go to them and say, look, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and uh, away we go from there. So it's sad, yeah. sad. Charlie Bazina was a copper for 38 years and still has a funny way of knowing a lot about what's going on around town, even though technically he's been retired since 2009. But that's another story. In a career full of high-profile cases, the one Charlie tells us about in this episode 
stands out for a number of reasons. The victim is internationally famous. The perpetrator is unbearably remorseful. And Charlie and the public prosecutor set about to use this case to change the law of the land. This is Australian True Crime with Michelle Laurie and Emily Webb. Come with us as we explore how people become killers, how people become victims and what happens next. This is the case of the death of Australian cricket legend David Hooks, who was drinking at the Beaconsfield Hotel in St Kilda on the night of the 18th of January 2004. He was with the members of the Victorian cricket team whom he coached and the South Australian cricket team whom they defeated that day in an ING Cup match. For Charlie, the case began, as most cases did, with a late-night phone call. It was about 10 o'clock at night and we, uh, you know, we, we... Anyone high profile that gets uh, killed unnaturally, um, we get alerted to. It's like when I did Alphonse Gangitano, there was a mass influence of police. Any high profile person, and I just happened to be the on-call senior sergeant that particular night, and when I took that call, and uh, you know, and, and your first question is, well, who was the deceased? At that stage, he wasn't deceased. They're saying, look, this guy's been taken to hospital. He's on life support. He looks like he's not going to survive, hence our involvement. So he's certainly alive then. But given the um, prognosis from the Alfred Hospital, we would respond, and we, we did. And when they said, look, it's David Hooks, oh. not, not that uh, the person who is injured or is deceased makes any difference because it's the same level of investigation, whether it's... Um, the drug user down the street or someone who's a criminal, it doesn't really matter. The same level of investigation takes place. However, we know something like this is going to be high profile, high media, um, and then away we went. So out to the crime scene. At that stage, the, the local police had arrested a, uh, a bouncer from the Beaconsfield Hotel, a fellow called Zdravko Masevich, and uh, he was... Uh, charged with the assault upon David and it was my job to see where that would then go. And even if I run those particular jobs and, you know, we, we hold on hope every time that that a miracle happens and they survive is the best outcome, uh, but we proceed. And let's say David survived, I would then just pass on the investigation back to the local detectives. But unfortunately in this case the prognosis was very, was very bleak and uh, I then started off the investigation. Stravko was 22? Yeah. What was his state of mind at that stage? I, I'm imagining, he's very young, I'm yeah. imagining he's pretty upset himself. Yeah, very much so. Now, yeah. he didn't know who David was, he yeah. didn't know who these groups were, so you got two groups, you, well, a number of groups. You've had. You've got the Victorian cricketers and also the South Australian. They just finished the game that particular day. And uh, as sports people do, they went to the Beaconsfield Hotel, you know, a very uh, nice hotel down Beaconsfield Parade near St Kilda, and uh, they were just having a few beers. And, uh, you know, uh, it just annoys me that uh, people that pick things are saying, oh, well, the sports, they would have been drunk, they would have done this. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. It's like getting the facts from a court hearing. You know, don't criticise until you know the facts. And, and the facts were the guys were doing nothing wrong. And, and certainly... Here's a, per, a particular uh, investigation that I become very supportive of, of Zravko and also his father. And uh, they were beside themselves mm. of, of saying, regardless of 
him not knowing who David was and who this group were that was uh, um, well-known sports people, he was shattered in the fact that because he is a bouncer, and as we know, bouncers from time to time get involved in fracases and, and pushing and shoving and an assault or a fight, nothing happens. And here's one particular occasion where this has occurred and um, uh, as Ravko had uh, delivered a blow that subsequently led to the... Um, He's falling on the roadway, head injury, and uh, yeah, he was he was devastated, and mm. you know, never been in trouble with the police before, uh, and uh, I'm pretty confident since. Um, and then, after- so what led up to it then? If if the cricketers weren't particularly drunk and unruly, if Stravko's not a particularly aggressive dude, what what led to well, this? Well, uh, that uh, you know, we never got to the bottom of it because ultimately. David was um, was having a, uh, a, a quiet couple of beers with um, a couple of uh, his associates and uh, some uh, lady people were also present, doing nothing wrong. Da- uh, Darren Lehman was there with a the, uh, South Australian uh, team and just having a, a pleasant evening. And obviously there was other uh, patrons in the hotel. And um, as the time went on, uh, either getting to the end of the uh, the uh, licence, they would say, well, OK, guys, drink up and we want you to leave. And... And then I think uh, Zravka was pushing the envelope a little bit with uh, a woman who was drinking with David, of saying, well, come on, scull it. And uh, David took a little bit of umbrage to that and said, well, hang on, you know, we'll finish our drink, we're going to go, no problems. We'll, we'll just gotta f-. And they're entitled to finish their drinks. Right. You know, they're well within the licence. And uh, so he was pushing the envelope a little bit and, uh, you know, who knows what was going through Zravka's mind at the time. But um, ultimately... The guy said, well, look, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll be leaving. Um, and then, inexplicably, Zravko basically grabbed David and started frog-marching him out of the hotel uh-huh. because the other f- cricketers then followed. Now, there was no resistance from David, and he may have been saying, well, no, look, that's not, not appropriate. You ask this woman to scull a drink and all this stuff. We're going to finish our drinks. And whether Zravko took umbrage to that and said, well, I know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm the boss here. I'm t- I, I know what goes on. I'll, I'll call the shots, not you. Mm. Whether it becomes, because there's probably another, I suppose, three other bouncers there uh, that were working with them and in different areas. So it becomes, you know, unfortunately a bit of a bravado thing. Yep. It could have been that. Well, can I say this to you, Charlie, as a lady? I'm hearing a lot of macho bullshit, you know? Correct. Yeah, I'm feeling like, okay, we've got a man here who is a famous sportsman, has been for a long time. He's there with a lot of mates. Correct. He he doesn't want to look foolish. And he's with a lady. Yeah. So he doesn't want to look uh, foolish and be made a fool of by a young, fit bouncer. We've got a young man who is the the bouncer. He doesn't want to be made to look foolish by an old guy on his own turf. Yep. Butting heads like a pair of rams. Yep. Yep. And generational stuff. So it's like David Hooks. It's sort of old school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, true. And Michevic oh. is um, young, doesn't even know who Hooksy and the other Correct. guys are. So there's that kind yeah. of... Bit of a standoff. Yeah. That's right. And ultimately, and, and as I said, Michevic is the one. He's the one that calls the shots in the hotel. Um, and unfortunately, the, you know, I was critical down the track of, of the persona of people may have looked at David of saying, well, David would have been the instigator. He would have been mm. a loud mouth. And I think that reputationally, that's... You're how right. people saw him. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, he's in the public uh, eye, he's in the media, um, and, you know, you have two different faces, I think. And also people made a lot of assumptions about 
Zdravko being a young Serbian boxer, weren't yep. there? That he, oh, he'd be aggressive, he'd be crazy, he's probably on steroids. Yeah. So you're right, in the community there were a lot of assumptions made about both of these correct. guys. Yeah, yeah. correct. Mm. And significantly, you know, this, this is, as I said earlier, this is one of the cases that um, was landmark. It was absolutely landmark because I'd, I had uh, investigated a number let's say five or six others, where we had bouncers and other people with one, one punches, the people have died. And because of the way the law was then, uh, that we couldn't prove uh, a dangerous act. And uh, basically, here is one, because he was a, a uh, boxer of some skill, appreciating the damage a, a bare fist can do to a face, okay. and what damage, the, the potential damage, that when we looked at that um, with the Director of Public Prosecutions, it was Paul Coughlin in those days, mm-hmm. uh, we sat down with it and said, you know what, let's give it a run. And you make these decisions, you're either going to get bad, what we call case law, or good case law to support you. And that was the very first case in those circumstances that we charged someone with a manslaughter based on previous other cases we could only charge them with the serious assaults. Believe it or not, the fact that someone had died... But the way the law was structured, we have to prove an unlawful and dangerous act. Now, I could prove unlawful because, as the investigation went on, he, claimed, he being Masevic, claimed self-defence. He said that David had hit him. And so everyone's got the right to defend themselves, but it's got to be proportionate. So he's saying that he assaulted me, he being Masevic, said, this guy assaulted me, I then struck him back, and it's self-defence. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it went on, you know, we're gathering the evidence. And you go where the evidence takes you and the facts that we had it. So at that particular time, David's on life support. We had this guy in custody. He's charged with the assault. We have a meeting with the DPP, uh, Paul Coughlin, and it was then decided between the DPP. They give advice at that stage. They can't direct us because at that particular stage of the investigation, we make the decisions. But we certainly rely on their advice. And uh, that, their advice was speaking to Paul and I said, look, because of these reasons, him being a boxer, let's uh, let's charge him with the manslaughter. So he's in custody for the assault. Once uh, a heartbreaking decision is made to turn the life support off, um, and he dies, the day after we then charged him with the uh, with the manslaughter, and subsequently got bail. So uh, and then went on from there. And so then, the DPP was supportive of your decision to make this sort of revolutionary charge yep, to yep. Ch- to try this out. Absolutely. You got no pushback. I was wondering, no pushback with Not, that because it's pretty. Pretty Old. gutsy, yeah. Absolutely, and, and that's, that's, you know, when you look at... And uh, Paul Coghlan, as we know, is a Supreme Court judge now, and uh, he always has been supportive of, of us, and we had a great relationship between the Homicide Squad and the DPP. We, they are eventually the ones that, gonna, the, that will prosecute it, and we often get legal advice from them, um, and their advice at times might be, well, look, you're not going to succeed, our advice is that, but however, it's your decision. And the police then must make a decision based on that. But knowing full well, as a as a police officer, as an investigator, say, well, ultimately they're going to they're going to present it for prosecution. They'll go to the committal and stand up and say, they then make the decision at committal stage. They might say, well, look, your, your honour, um, we're not going to proceed. We're going to withdraw these charges. So you really take on board the advice you get. And this was landmark decision stuff yeah. from Paul and and, and myself, in saying, you know what. Uh, we've had a number of these, and we've certainly we had a, 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 quite a number of one-punch deaths prior to that. And uh, this was going to, you know, are we taking a stand? Yes, we are. 
and uh, let's go from here. And then we are where we are today with the new legislation. After the break, the contentious case goes to trial. Coming up on Australian True Crime. The defendant makes an unlikely request. But first, we ask Charlie if there were any eyewitnesses to the punch that ultimately killed David Hooks. Look, there was, um, there was quite a number. And then you had, obviously, this is the value of your witnesses because you had Victorian cricket players there. So human nature, they're going to support their coach. You had the South Australian cricketers, they're going to be supportive of the other cricket mates from Victoria. Then you had a group within the hotel that were patrons. You can call them neutral, but they might have had a soft spot or a, a bad spot towards... They would have known Hooksy was. They would have supported or negated Hooksy. The most significant ones, witnesses I had, were a group of people uh, who lived in Cowdery Street in their apartments looking over the balcony. Because at that stage, the Beaconsfield Hotel was quite a problem for the local people because of the noise. They wanted it shut down and this type of stuff. So when there was a fracas outside, these people came out. So I would call them the most independent people. They didn't know who who was who. They were looking down at that. So I'll paint the picture for you. So ultimately, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Go with a few other bouncers, gets the group out. And David was leaving, and they went to get his car, and now I'm leaving, yeah, leave me alone. And he was being told by David's mates and, and uh, ladies, look, leave him alone, he's going. We're just going to get his car. He's going, leave him alone, and they're walking. They're about 90 metres from the front door. And initially I thought, hello, this guy's beyond his authority, the, being the bouncer. Then when you do the investigation, you can't be jumping to the conclusion. So that was your first reaction, but then you got to support it in some way. And then when I go into the investigation, we find out part of their licence is the bouncers had to come outside of the hotel to keep the amenity of the area. Basically saying, guys, keep it down. This is a residential area. It was part of the licence. They had to buy their licence, say, you've got to keep the noise down. And they were allowed to come out and say, guys, keep it down, keep it down. 
Unfortunately, it could have been resolved by the guys were leaving, guys, the cricket guys were leaving, Zravko going back in the hotel. But it's the old fire and oxygen. The two clashed, as you said, similarly to before. Is it a bravado thing? Is And we, get, we mix alcohol into that. Um, and it, it just goes on from that point. And, you know, as it went on, Zravko claimed self-defence. So we've got the two people, Zravko and, and Hooksy, verbalising. You've got a group of people on the roadway, different groups, the patrons, other bouncers, and the two cricket groups, all looking at these two people. They're looking at them. Also, in the balcony, you've got four or five witnesses looking down above this group. A bird's eye view. Like a helicopter. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. So I've got that. So this is fantastic. Now, as Ravko comes up with the excuse, um, I punched him in self-defence. At a conservative estimate, the amount of witnesses on the ground uh, were probably 25, 30-odd, and the four or five on the balcony. Now, as Ravko comes up and he says... The guy who was who was balding, he had a, a white T-shirt on, um, he grabbed me by the front of my shirt, he pulled me down and punched me in the abdomen. I then punched him back. And that was the coup de grace that David was knocked unconscious standing up. Oh, wow. And then hit his head. Jeez. Yeah. Now, because, I say that because ultimately it is in all of us as human beings that if we trip, automatically your hand goes out and, and you're... No matter yeah. what direction you are, you, you, you suppress your fall mm. if you're conscious. Yeah. But David wasn't. He just copped it on the chin. He got a left hook from uh, Zravko. So you can imagine from a standing position going down and hitting the roadway. Oh, yeah. That was quite significant. Mm. So um, he then claimed that, and then they eventually dispersed, and the ambulance came, and the police then arrived, and away we went from there. Not one. Not one witness supported the assertion that David had touched the bouncer in any way. Oh, in any way? Not yeah. even grabbed his shirt? No, nothing. Nothing at all. So then you've got to balance your credibility because doing investigations, credibility of witnesses. You might say, well, yeah, the cricketers are going to say David did nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but you're, you're going to be biased. Some patrons, you don't know who they support, they could be biased. Mm-hmm. The other bouncers, they could be biased. But the independency of the people looking from the top, they're not biased in any way. They don't know who the groups are. Mm-hmm. So other bouncers who were some distance away, patrons, two cricket groups and independent people, not one of those persons said that the guy in the white T-shirt touched the guy with the tabard around his neck. Oh. So there was no self-defence. It was only brought up by Zravko and not supported or corroborated in any way. So I thought I'm pretty safe ground here. So we look at our manslaughter requirements, an unlawful and dangerous act. So I say it's unlawful because it's not self-defence. Now, my problem was, is it a dangerous act? Punching someone is dangerous, isn't Correct. it? But you then, as we know, the intricacies and the complexities of the law and other case histories are so dangerous. Does anyone expect to kill anyone with one punch? No, they don't. However, because he was a boxer, you know, we sat there, we being uh, Paul and, uh, and I sat there and we made this decision to say, you know what, we need to go down this path. And it was high profile, as we all know. Yeah, you had all lies on Absolutely. you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it wasn't because of that. It could have been anyone. But the whole thing is we had to take a stance. After all the deaths we've had prior to that to say, mm. you know what, we don't have a legislation. 
we give it a run. Let's let a jury decide. And there was also a real focus on bouncers getting a bit out of control. It was at yes. the time, yeah. And I don't think much has changed because yeah, I think you touched on it earlier, Michelle. It's a matter of um, psychology. It's a matter of two bulls in a pen. Yeah, they're not backing down. It's yeah. like when I was policing. You know, you you then learnt you learnt your bread and butter. We used to do the pub walkthroughs. Mm. That was the show me age, the old ten o'clock closing days, and uh, which was good stuff. And yeah. every other day, twenty four seven. So you'd walk through the pub. You know, things were a lot quieter in those days. We don't have the young uh, police officer today just going from job to job. They don't get the chance to be proactive. So we used to do the pub walkthroughs through Footscray when I was there, and uh, and you know. You don't go to this guy and say, mate, finish your beer, get out of here. Yeah. Or because he's got his mates and then becomes a standoff between two bulls in a ring. You go there, g'day guys, how are you going? You come quite friendly and they say, no, guys, look, they've got half hour grace in those days. Look, uh, guys, and you walk through. And then you might get some, look, I just bought that pot, I'm going to finish it. Hey, no problem. It's no problem at all. And we then disappear out, out the back with a licensee and have a couple of lemonades. And... Uh, it didn't come out because you know you That's do not... That's a bullshit alarm going off just then. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You must have a little button under there, isn't it? Didn't there used to be lock-ins as well for special uh, special lock-ins for... Yeah. So, you know, because you know <clears throat> he doesn't want to be... You do not belittle yeah. someone in front of his group. I know. Yeah. Because, yeah, some, sometimes when you're embarrassed, you will just do something crazy. Correct. I mean, embarrassments can be a really bad trigger yeah. for people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Peer group pressure. Yeah. How am I going to be viewed? Well, I'm yeah. the leader of the pack. Depends how you stand. Mm. So you give him that leeway. Then... And that may escalate, it may not. And I, t- I tell you what, my 38 years, touch wood, and hopefully it continues on, I've never had a fisticuff fight in a hotel or anywhere because you used your mouth instead of anything else. You use the psychology because you say, you know what, this guy's going to be treated with respect. And it's like people used to say to me, well, look, all the work you've done throughout the police force in homicide and drug squad, internal investigations and armed robbery, etc. Don't you fear for your life or you fear for your... And I say, no, I don't. People in the community have stopped me and said, oh, Mr Bazina, um, how are you going? And you know straight away, when they start calling you Mr Bazina, <laughs> you know it's going to be a crook of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> so you turn around. And I had her on a train when my daughter was quite young and you don't recall them because you deal with so many. You said, you don't remember me. No, I don't. Oh, my name's... Uh, oh, g'day, how are you going? You locked me up for that murder, you know, 15. And because you treated them with respect... So there's no axe to grind. And, oh, what are you doing with yourself these days? And nothing changed. But unfortunately, putting old head on young shoulders of the police officers of today mm. is a big issue. So going through a hotel and you then say, OK, finish up, guys. Let's say they don't finish this. They're going to push the envelope a bit. Then it becomes, you then can come back out and say, guys, look, fair's fair. This guy's got to close up uh, the hotel. He's got this. Otherwise, we've got to charge him. Or he'll be in trouble for letting people on his premises. Look, you've got to go. And you give him a couple more chances. But when push comes to shove, then you give him that leeway and then you explain things and then it becomes a bit of a tussle. These guys aren't going. Well, then you call in the cavalry. Then you do it that way. Mm. And then you can have an argument and say, well, I gave you every opportunity. It's how you treat people. Mm. And ultimately, you treat people with respect you're not going to have a problem. And Which, again, though, this takes me back to the bouncer situation. So they are at the front line yep. as well, Yep. you know, of, Very much. of this terrible behaviour. As Correct. you say, now that bars are open, well, not in Sydney, but in Melbourne still, yeah. are, you know, open 
a lot and people aren't just drinking beer anymore. My dad, who was a taxi driver for his whole life, said, you know, he saw the change when people stopped drinking beer and started drinking Red Bull and vodka and stuff. He saw the level of violence and craziness change. And so bouncers are on the front line of that. They must be hyper-vigilant as well. Well, they are. It's a stressful job. Yeah, I know, but unless they're... You know, when I did that, the Hooksy investigation, I looked at their training. I actually got the training manual of what mm. actually they're taught. And even from, you know, one of my issues was at the hotel was, okay, you've arrived as a bouncer there. Bouncer becomes an agent for that complex, for yeah. that, um, uh, well, here in this case at Beaconsfield Hotel. One of my questions was to the manager or the licensee, what instructions did you give to these guys about the way you want them to conduct and run run your organisation, run the business? Now... Not that those days it wasn't very much at all. Oh, well, they've got the bouncers coming on, we've got four guys coming on, we're just paying them. Okay, you know what to do, see you later. These people have to take ownership, sit down with their agents because they represent the, the, the organisation, the, the company they're working for. And okay, you, you've got a, a, and it's a dangerous situation. And he's uh, 22, exactly. he's training. Yeah, exactly, and no psychology, mm. no this, no that. Okay, we charged uh, Zravko with a manslaughter um, and what we have to prove in manslaughter as opposed to murder. Um, we just couldn't get up on the dangerous act because no one expects so. The jury accepted it wasn't a dangerous act. They accepted that he could not have known that he could have killed David Hooks, even though he was a boxer, even yeah. though he knew the power of his yeah. punches. And the defence was, basically, it's not a dangerous act. No one expects to kill anyone with one blow. Really? But to come back and come back with not guilty or charge with a common assault... Because the only person in this in this whole group was Ravko saying it was self-defence. No one supports that. So, so, and this is the issue with with juries. I've become critical of them. We don't know what happens in jury rooms. We're not entitled against the law to question any juror. So we don't know what happens in that in that jury room. And they come back with a total acquittal for the common assault. Sure, I can understand the manslaughter, uh, but the common assault to say, well, hang on, he's he's admit, he's saying that he was self-defence. But we've got 50 witnesses looking at the one incident and not one person has supported what he said. So you walk away and, you know, uh, just you live with the decision of, of juries. You live so you couldn't get that either. So a 13-day trial he had for the manslaughter yeah. and was found not guilty. On everything, yeah. On everything, and you couldn't mm. get him for common assault no, either. Not even that. Do you think you could get someone on manslaughter now that in the interim we've had so many campaigns about no. one punch can kill? And it's widely recognised yes. yeah. as... Yeah. Well, now the beauty of that is, if I if I had a David Hooks today, mm. he would be convicted because mm. the legislators, the politicians, have created finally a, the the new law that they then say a dangerous act is when someone attacks someone that doesn't see you coming from behind the coward punch. Okay. So you tick that box. So it's it's an unlawful act because it's not self defence, and the legislators now say if someone gets coward punched, they do not see it coming. That's a dangerous act. So mm. your two points of proof for manslaughter are fulfilled. And now that carries a mandated sentence of 10 years for a coward punch. This is where we've got to say, you say to the you know, sports clubs I speak to, to the young Colts, A, look after your people. Keep your hands in your pockets if the situation extends it because they get into fights. And But that one blow... And you live that for the rest of your life. There's a lot of education happening around Fantastic. that. Exactly. Really good stuff. And the language change from, remember, the king hit, yeah, which elevated it to some hero. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people would feel good to this coward punch, yeah. which I think's, And that's really only in the last 10 years, not even, I think, that yeah, that language yeah, has under, changed. 
under yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, funny, you know, with the wording of things, um, you know, the coward punch. And I read in the media probably, which surprised me, but this, again, doesn't. I suppose it doesn't surprise me because of the, the, way, the world we live in today. There was a case, wherever it was, I don't know, that this guy was charged and identified in the media. He, uh, he's been charged with a coward punch, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Well, he got acquitted. He got acquitted, whatever case it was. Yeah. But the point of that story was he then sued some media organisations and stuff because he was labelled as a coward punch. Yes, I did read yeah. that. And yes. So that's oh. where, where we live in. Oh. And all of a sudden, so this labelling of people, of course, that's why we, it's all about, now, I'll go mm. back a step. Investigators are the collector of facts. We collect the facts, either inculpatory or exculpatory. We present it to the court. It's the court is the only body that proves innocence or guilt. That's why it's alleged this person did it. He's an accused person. Um, uh, it's all because everyone's innocent or proven guilty beyond yes. reasonable doubt. So we collect the facts, we give it to the courts, and they make the decision based on the evidence. But unfortunately, in the adversarial system that we live under in our court system, juries get censored evidence. That's how you know significance yeah. become. Yeah. You sit there with deceased families, and one of my things I'd say to the deceased families, you sit from day one, and, and relationships you build with them, you say the most important person in this courtroom is the accused person. It's his or her rights have to be protected. And we have to prove it. He has to say nothing. She has to say nothing. And it's beyond reasonable doubt that 12 strangers, 12 strangers have to come up with one decision. You try doing that at a dinner party. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's getting harder and harder, right? <laughs> and, um, and Misovich, uh, he was found not guilty. Yeah. He expressed since yeah. quite sincere remorse to Absolutely. the David Hooks' family yeah. Um Afterwards, didn't yeah. he? I, yeah. I remember his father coming because I then had a relationship with his father, and you know, we'd stay in contact. And he wanted to; his father would wanted to, he and his and Zravko to go and see uh, Robin mm. and Terry Hooks uh, and uh, or Terry Cranage um, and apologise. And I mm. said, you know what? It's too raw for you to go there. But that that's the remorse that they showed and the devastation that they had on the Masevich family. So mm. it's a sad case. We've got. The situation with uh, with uh, David and his family, mm. we've got a situation. That's it's a matter of that magic word, and the amount of people and groups I speak to, it's that magic word of reg regret. Yeah. You can't take back the spoken word or the action. You can be sorry as all you like, but it's regret. I shouldn't have done that. I sh but thinking, either getting out of the haze of the alcohol, getting out of the haze of the drugs, getting out of the haze of the adrenaline on a situation, and you need the support from your own. Group to be able to say, you know what, pull your head in, let's let's just go. Yeah. And but it's a big thing to say, especially the bull in the in the bull ring, with the two bulls in there yeah. to be able to back down. No one likes to do it, but you know what, I'd rather wake up in the morning and say, geez, I'm glad I did what I did. I just walked away. And, and there's not much you could do in that situation. An apology is about the biggest thing you could do. To offer to apologise to their faces is pretty brave. Absolutely. And that's how sincere they were. Yeah. And this is the type of families you deal with. And, you know, we support deceased families and offenders' families. And that come to a shock to his father and his family. And they were, you know, generally remorseful, wanting to do it well, you know, days in, into the investigation. I want to do that, wow. Charlie. I want to go there. Look, um, you can't. They're just, they're just too raw to do that. And time went on, but they were genuinely remorseful. Um, and, you know, 
some can say, well, that was the best result. Mm. I'm seeing here that Robin Hooks, David Hooks's widow, also sued the Masevic family and also their employers, Peter Clark Agencies, who yeah. owned the pub. Right. And then they settled at some stage during that yeah. proceeding yeah. and the, the settlement has been kept secret. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But again, you know, it doesn't. It, I suppose it gives you accountability. Yeah, that's and, right. And hopefully yeah. other people can look at it and say, you know what, and that was my message then and now to say people who, who contract people in to work on their behalf, they have to take that responsibility. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.